1: House Lights Down, welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching Mm post-mortem where we, um, in this room, James Anger, Jim Anger, uh, lead pastor for Liberty Church Collingswood, um, (laughs) I, his wife, interrogate him about what was going on in his brain while he was preaching. No one expects the
0: Spanish Inquisition.
1: I mean, it would be entertaining, like (laughs) the idea of someone who's like, really, like, Hounding someone else—that's true. Especially with the wife-husband combo. No, yes, yeah, yeah. No.
0: no, I'd be on board. That, that, that was also a <laughs> oh, Monty Python. The- that was a Monty Python reference. Oh, then, I, think.
1: I never watched the Monty uh, Python. Monty Python. <laughs> that was that. That was on me. It was. It was your fault that I didn't watch it. Well, good.
0: Good communicators know their reference audience. Oh
1: right. Well, I mean, your audience probably has seen Monty Python. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: it's my. It's my key demographic, actually. <laughs>
1: The, um, the 40-something nerds who like loved Monty Python when they were growing up. You know
0: who you are. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, you can write in if that, that is you. Um, <laughs> or if it's not you. It would be like, we should do a um, census. Sure. <laughs> Who's listening? Um, what references do you like? What references do you not like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. We have two more weeks here. And we're going to jump in at the end of summer or end of summer. End of spring. Beginning of summer. What's in sheep's brain? <laughs>
0: yes, you're the smiling. Jer- Jersey Shore, I'm coming. So we have a couple more weeks of this. It's been a great first season of podcasting, and happy to talk about the end of First Kings 19.
1: Yeah, and you know the first part of our um, podcasting every week is call it Stormy Monday. Why this sermon? Why this Sunday? But yeah, you know, like this is the end of spring, the end of pandemic in some ways. What's going mm-hmm. on in your brain as you're as you're thinking and praying for our congregation? What are you burdened about?
0: Yeah, so these things go together as as the world opens up bit by bit, wanting to make sure both for people connected with our church and, and more broadly, as we re-add things to our plates and to our schedules, and Jesus for followers of Christ need to be at the center of it. So this was a a sermon where I was feeling the burden of commitment and recommitment for those that name the name of Jesus, and then also to portray the call of Christ for those that don't yet believe as something that's weighty, costly, and important, not just, a, not just something to accessorize with our post-pandemic reality.
1: Right. I think you, um, you did a good job of kind of putting us in Elijah's shoes, I think. Maybe, sure. Maybe I think I mean maybe it was just me mm-hmm. resonating with that a little bit more. But um, I was thinking again about I think I mentioned the New York Times article that was talking about our society these days not being in like a state of depression exactly mm-hmm. or anxiety exactly mood disorder wise. Although many of us might be feeling that. Yep. Um, but the word languishing has stuck in my head, and I kind of right. saw Elijah as languishing, and it kind of. Oh, I like that. Um reflecting the spirit of what what some people are facing right now
0: yeah it is a languorous time (laughs) as they say so but we don't want that to devolve into malingering.
1: right um and for yeah for you specifically do you feel like when you are approaching this passage when you're approaching the end of this spring like Mm -hmm. what is god doing in you um speaking to you about our particular moment and our particular congregation
0: yeah so feeling feeling the importance of commitment and maybe it's on my mind more even as we think about continuing to to reassemble and how uh, our church needs volunteers yeah, <laughs> we yeah. like like rebuilding volunteers teams is uh is a challenge as as people and understandably so this is not to guilt any specific person or people but getting back into the swing of things is hard there's a lot of anxieties there are still health concerns while at the same time to keep doing what we're doing and be ready for this next season, we need folks to say, I'm going to do this.
1: Sure. And you kind of, um, focused that concept on the idea of doubting, Mm -hmm. like going into that, um, that spirit. How is that related to what, what you see as people facing right now?
0: Yeah. So I've mentioned statistics before about one out of, five people that were connected with church before pandemic are no longer connected with church. And just across the country, I'm I'm not discouraged, but I think this is a season of the church becoming lean and mean, at least for a little while, where uh, deconversions are prevalent in the West right now. And that resonated with me just from doing pastoral ministry, going back to this passage, and thought of... St. Thomas the Doubter Church from a lot of years ago.
1: You did a lot of setup to get to that point and I think the audience... The audience enjoyed your little jag through. I don't know if this really falls in this category, or if it's in the like whatever we call the other thing, bar band cover tunes. But yeah, um, you introed with um, bad names for businesses. I thought you were gonna go directly to Worst House, but
0: oh, I forgot about that one. That one. No, I I I was highlighting hair salons and bars and the Worst House. Worst House was. A West Philly establishment that I guess had it was a package store, so sold beer, but specialized in cheesesteaks and German sausages, aka, Wursts. W U R S T was around the corner from us in University City. It was the best name. The worst yeah, house. I
1: actually liked their pizza a lot. Oh yeah, their um, pizza was really good too. But then they went, they went and started calling themselves like they changed management and went to the best house instead. Yeah. And I was what like, a loss no, of nerve! That's wrong. I know. I feel like the worst house would be a very hip. It was name ahead right of its now. time. Yeah, I feel like maybe that's what we should be doing um, as a startup next: the worst house, <laughs> the worst cast, <laughs> the, the worst, worst house pod. Had, had, a, had an app av- or that, should that be the church name? <laughs> the worst church. <laughs> Our kids are taking German, some of them. <laughs>
0: um, we did have a beer and brats party very yeah. early on That does yeah, church history. It, probably
1: this is tangential, but it does lead me to wonder about your sense of humor, because I feel like you like to make fun of puns.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I see but where you're going with this. But there's
1: something in you that really loves to create puns. <laughs> but they have to be like, you, your puns have to be esoteric, and um, I don't know, highfalutin. I don't know. It, what Do you want to explain yourself there? Uh,
0: the answer is comic irony. So I'm above the whole use of puns, but I love it at the same time, but in a detached, ironic way. So I can have my cake and eat it too. <laughs> okay. Well, Best well, of uh, all possible yeah. worlds. I'll, I am I'll, the pan-gloss of humor.
1: I'll bring that up at dinner conversation. Voltaire reference. A- see what the teenagers have to say about <laughs> sounds that great okay um but yeah when you got to the saint thomas the doubter um church i feel like the the congregation was all set up to like have you make fun of it but then you didn't
0: i know so it was uh I, and i thought about so the, it was like a double intro mm-hmm. the just for humor talking about different bad names for bars and hair salons and then chose an intriguing church name I could have just started with hey here's a really good name for a church Mm -hmm. but but I wanted to catch people's attention with a little bit of humor
1: yeah you finally got some laughs from the audience directly
0: got some laughs and groans (laughs) but then the where I was driving with all of that
1: oh what was your favorite one I'll cut you (laughs) (laughs) wait what yeah there
0: is a hair salon you can find it on Mr. Googly the signage says I'll cut you. I would go there. <laughs> sort of a Sweeney Todd thing. I go
1: to a hair salon that I can't pronounce, but that's also another.
0: In The one in Chinatown? No, the
1: one Korean one. Oh. <laughs> okay, you're not, yeah, see, so you have no words. I've left <laughs> you speechless. That's always a success for me. <laughs> I'll cut you. Um, yeah. Yeah, top, top. Um, top hair salon, One. what was your favorite bad name for a bar?
0: Yeah, well, just, just, just for the record, I was going to make a joke about a Korean hair salon in Chinatown, yeah, but sure couldn't find a way that it wasn't problematic. <laughs> awesome. So, <laughs> the, Moving on, uh, the bar name Shooters with a Z. That was the only one I mentioned, but it's it's classic. There, there is a Shooters with a Z as we drive out to my parents in western Pennsylvania, and
1: and you go there every time. I'm
0: tempted to stop there <laughs> on the drive out every time. Yes.
1: Yeah. The name. The name catches you. So mm-hmm. let it be. Let it be known that you were not actually making fun of them in a, in a disparaging way. You actually are are genuinely impressed. I'm a stan. Yes. yes. Okay. Um, but sorry, I derailed us a little bit. Saint Thomas the Doubter Church. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I I remember hearing about it or you talking about it, and I I also love the name. Yeah, it's, it's a really great. good name. Um, I think that that path, I think you're, you're connecting it to Elijah. I was, I actually had to do some mental hoops myself because I don't feel like you mentioned the passage until, um, uh, until after this, um, this introduction, um, but trying to connect Thomas to like, what, wait, what was Elijah doing in this passage? And just realizing, oh, I, I kind of feel like I see where you're going. Do you want to tease out some of those? Um, connection points maybe that's in I met her in church the next section.
0: Yeah, let's let's jump into the Bible passage. So, and and it was a longer introduction. I haven't gone back to the tail of the tape yet. Uh, but I made the introduction longer on purpose in the sense that I knew that it I was going to need people to bear with me a little bit longer to see the connection with the passage. That happens sometimes. But 1 Kings 19 19 to 21 is a really short passage, which is the coda of the Elijah cycle of stories that we've been talking about here at Liberty Collingswood on Sunday mornings. But a strange coda it is because the more you look at the passage as Elijah taps Elisha as his successor, not really sure what's going on there. So Elisha pretty straightforwardly is all in. Hey, this is great. Yeah, I will follow you and follow your God. I'll sign up to the prophetic program wherever that might lead. But then on the other hand, Elijah is still maybe a little bit down in the dumps, maybe a little bit disobedient, doesn't really follow through in the way that God suggested that he actually anoint Elisha. So a strange passage when we're not sure if Elijah's following through. So more specifically, in the previous passage, Elijah is commanded by God to anoint Elisha as his successor. And he goes to Elisha, throws a cloak on him Uh, but I was surprised as I studied the passage I've always thought that yeah that that's the anointing but then commentaries pretty uniformly said hey we know what anointing is this is not an anointing so pretty telltale that it doesn't seem like Elijah's actually anointing Elisha as such
1: yeah though it it is pretty striking and like I think for me I hate to admit it, did but it land? like the St. Thomas connection, it did land. Cause I was prepped to think about Elijah as, as being more of a doubting Thomas. Yeah. Um, and I also was thinking of our last podcast when, uh, you were talking about And I, both of us have talked about being a little bit jaded, especially if someone else wants to be in ministry. I felt like there was right. kind of a direct correlation. Like, <laughs> Oh, there's conviction. Uh, um, yeah. where, where, you know you can walk in life and you can see god work and then you can still be a little bit like tired and jaded when the next person steps up and kind of is eager and and like willing like elisha was
0: yeah that's that's an interesting connection yeah so so elisha young in ministry just kind of like puppy dog eagerness and you can you can smell the the nicotine coming off of elijah like <laughs> Here we go, kid. You think this is going to be great? I have some stories for you. Let me tell you.
1: Yeah, you've been watching too much Mayor. <laughs>
0: Mayor of Easttown. That's right.
1: Um, with the vapor, as much vaping as we, yeah, instead yep. of the cigarette. Um, you know she's really down when she has cigarettes <laughs> and not the vape. Aren't we all? <laughs> um, what about cigars?
0: <laughs> I'm in.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. So you are connecting. How you want to? Talk a little bit more specifically about yeah. how you're making those connections. Yeah, just, just, just a
0: little bit more yeah. and so that this was a little bit so this was also a passage that, that took some asking the congregation to do a little bit more of a closer reading of the text to find what's not there. So admittedly, the argument that I was making, but I felt good from reading the commentaries that you know there's a consensus here. This is an argument from silence, and you kind of have to Keep in mind the passage that came right before that, because Elijah was directly commanded anoint Hazael to be king of Syria, Jehu to be king of Israel, and Elisha to be successor to you as prophet. And then directly after that, and if we remember that Command and Compliance, our other parenting podcast, is a very frequent pattern that Elijah up until recently has been doing Regularly, uh, here there is a lack of command and compliance. Again, has Jehu, never anointed by Elijah, and then Elijah not not anointing here. He's he's not doing nothing, mm-hmm. but he's, he's not doing what God Elijah,
1: is. Elisha kind of follow him,
0: right, right. So so it is that like semi commitment, indecisive, vague following, uh, wavering probably that yeah makes me think of doubting Thomas, and then. Yeah, doubting I mean, Jim and Emily's and all right, of us.
1: Right. I mean, and then you connected a, it kind of to the spirit of today, this age. Yeah. Um, yeah. As you, as you connected these two stories, Thomas and Elijah to our current, um, our current condition, what was challenging about that?
0: Yeah. So it sounds like we are going and muddying the waters sorts of directions Sorry, here. So my page. the, uh, So even if there were a couple different pieces where I needed the listener's attention in a deeper way, the the sermon structure was pretty straightforward. So two points. First, let's talk about Elijah. Then let's talk about Elisha. Those are the only two characters in in the passage. So it was more about drawing out how Elijah and Elisha connect with us. And if Elijah is indecisive, not really following through with following God, yeah, connected it. To the present day, whether for Christians that are filled with doubts or people that are skeptical of spiritual realities more broadly in our culture, how can we know ultimate truth when it just seems like it's so much? it makes so much more sense to be an agnostic about life, the universe, and everything than to sink your bid and say, I believe that this is true about the world, this is true about God, this is true about us.
1: Right. You were I liked the phrase or not the phrase, but the concept that in the waters right now, money in the waters, mm. um, McKinley Morgan somebody who is wise, is, is not certain, is open to possibilities. And that somebody who is certain about something or convicted about something must be nasty, must be wrong, must be um, closed minded.
0: Yeah, so I pulled two quotes in in both of those directions. Oh, was that a quote? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're saying, "Hey, Jim, that was a really wise words that you use," and it's like, "Well, that was actually the quote." But sure, <laughs> that that, that I, makes sense. I missed that as a cover too. So sorry. yeah, the uh, there recent studies have shown that you know to be a wise person in a modern context, you need to be flexible in your thinking, open minded to possibilities, and tentative in your conclusions. Which, on one hand, is fine. For a couple different reasons, it's problematic. Uh, one is that we do seem to have a lot of certainties, a lot of about a lot of things in our current cultural moment, and then also, like, are we actually asking people to remain tentative? And throughout the ages, the church has said, no, we want people to grow in decisive faith commitments and be solid in their faith. But then the flip side of that cultural moment coin is that there's a deep suspicion of people that are certain about things because it causes harm. And so I, I leveraged a quote in that direction too, about religious certainty and harm. So, I, and I mentioned the equation a couple times, times, where we'll tend to think that people plus certainty plus power equal harm.
1: Right, And it is that, that also seems or it feels convicting to me because I, I don't know. I, I, as you know, I'm not absent of convictions, but um, it is something that I personally feel that um, there is there is the line, like you want to be convicted about things or hold con- convictions and be be willing to act on them, but also still be someone who listens and yes. um, looks at the other side and isn't afraid of um, being wrong. Yeah. Um, so maybe there is a, there's a balance that you're trying to um, to portray, I think.
0: Yeah yeah I think, um, I, I think, I think there is and I think it's a, it's a balance that's tricky and uh, there are certain recent church traditions that from my vantage point here in 2021, uh, leaned so heavily into the mystery direction that it ended up being unhelpful to people trying to follow Jesus because we're left with so much doubt at the end of the day. Um, I said there are a few authors that (laughs) Liberty pastors recognize as gateway drugs to deconversion. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're not opening mystery in a helpful way to people, but actually opening an avenue to say, hey, let's not believe any of this anymore. So it's it's unfortunately a slippery slope. uh,
1: Celebrating skepticism. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. They're they're are interesting things to chew on. Yeah. Um, anything else that you want to mention that might be might have been difficult or or the other hand fun? <laughs> sure. So
0: I I did try to sound enough notes during the sermon to say, hey, and this is this relates to to grace. Like churches do need to be spaces where there can be honest dialogue and place of peace for different perspectives. So it is It is certainly a both-and, and I hope that I didn't press the need for certainty at the expense of those other things. But I did try at the end of the sermon to say, hey, the reason that there's space to talk about these things isn't just because we're nice people, although I hope we are, uh, but because Jesus died and rose again. And so there's a connection here between the grace of Jesus that opens up spaces for dialogue. And, you know, not that Christians are perfect, not that non-Christians... Are, are always wrong. I, I never want to give that impression. But, but I do think that grace is a different kind of resource for conversations of principled pluralism than we find outside of the church, where on the surface there might be declared intentions of giving space for f- free exchange of thought, but very often you're shut down if you're, if you're not in line with what the other person wants to hear.
1: Right. Right. Um, yeah, and I think that ending on Jesus was important. Like, uh, also, I mean, Th- you brought out that Thomas, Thomas's story doesn't end with his skepticism. Yeah. Um, it's a spoiler, but Elijah's story also doesn't end with with pure um p- disobedience and skepticism. Yeah. So,
0: we actually have a and Wolf about that later oh, teaser.
1: Um, but Jesus that Jesus uh, uses his his power as God by by sacrificing himself and giving himself away.
0: That's great. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast. I'm not just a podcast giver, but I'm a podcast receiver how are you, though? listening to a podcast <laughs> uh, talking about how power is one of the central motifs, not the only one, not potentially the the main one, but, but you could read <laughs> read the scriptures from beginning to end through the lens of power dynamics. And as God created Adam and Eve in the garden, to be under shepherds of creation and not overlords. Jesus is the true human uh, servant of all, pouring himself out on the cross. And if that's this, so Christianity has this striking juxtaposition of truth and certainty and solidity, but the center of that whole story is self-giving love towards others. And so you have the certainty on one hand, but then the humility and giving on the other, which, you know, the church has not always followed through on this balance, but in principle, I think the resources are there for us to be different as we claim truth, but then serve all.
1: So you're you're saying you're going to use your power as pastor of Liberty Collins would for good and not for evil. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> uh, can we move on to bar band cover tunes? let's do it i have to admit that i know that you were making quotes but i was like the way i was writing i was like writing the the content instead of the quote because none of them like spoke to me and i was gonna go back and listen to the sermon and i did not yeah oh <laughs> so <laughs> you're gonna have to tell me what you quoted because i just
0: don't know <laughs> sure so quotes can do different things so, sometimes quotes that I'll use or preachers will use will be pithy summaries where it's like, wow, that's a really great bumper sticker. I'm gonna write that down and pin it on my fridge or my bathroom mirror or something. Other times quotes have reasoned arguments that are distilling a lot of like heavier sorts of thoughts. And this Sunday sermon was 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 going in that latter direction. I, I will say, you said you didn't remember the references the couple of quotes that I used earlier about being open-minded as a wise person. So you, you did remember that all, although you attributed I, I, it to me, I
1: wrote them down and I knew that you were quoting someone, but I, by the time I'd written down the content, uh-huh. I had like forgotten who you were quoting. I gotcha. And so it's not, I I need to probably annotate my notes <laughs> so that I know that something's a quote. That's... Um, I have something about a check, a Czech president, but, I also don't know exactly. Where. Anyway, my note taking is is um, it's been like twenty five years since college. So. So,
0: something about a Czech president. That, that, that's maybe like a Kafka short story or something. I I, I like it. So yeah, the 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 Czech president. Uh, and as far as I know, this is the only Czech president that I that I quote. Maybe there is. Well, I mean, there, there, there is no
1: checklist. Czech- Czech, oh, I guess the Czech Republic is it. Do you mean right?
0: Yeah, so yeah, no, anyway. Vaclav Havel was president of Czechoslovakia, which is which is no more. Uh, but he was a figure kind of like Ronald Reagan. He was a statesman, but before he was a statesman, he was an actor. There have been more and, than one. Right. It's it, it's the way to go. So it's actually, not. But Havel was a statesman, president of Czechoslovakia, and also a person of faith. And he's talking about how. In his own life, places of uncertainty, doubt, and absurdity actually were the seedbed of moving towards certainty of faith conviction. And so there's plenty of stories of deconversion where people move from convicted Christianity in the other direction, uh, but Havel Ho- came, came home. And one of the beauties for me of Christianity, and this is part of my own faith conversion story, Was I saw outside of Christ, turtles all the way down of just endless spinning wheels of secular thought. I was a philosophy major, uh, but then Jesus gave me a center point for all of it. And so I I used hovel in the same direction. Yeah. And then also we had, sorry to cut you off. No, that's fine. Okay. Then two quotes from Leslie Newbegin that were the harder quotes to, to wrap mind around. Uh, one of them was New Begin talking about uh, how people that say we can't know, know that very strongly. And so he asks the question rhetorically, the Christian may fairly ask, what is the source of your knowledge that says we can't fully apprehend truth? How How can you say so truly and decisively that we can't truly and decisively know what is true? Um, And so I I did want to just say, hey, let's lay our cards on the table that even people that say they're skeptical of absolute truth have their own sets of absolute truths in various directions. And not just scientifically, but about things that can't be scientifically proven one way or another. Sure and that was Leslie Newbegin.
1: Right. And then and then the one that I remember that I didn't write down was that you compared Elisha to Dwight
0: Schrute. That's right. So on on the the levity end of the spectrum we had Elisha who was not made prophet as successor to Elijah, but it says at the very end of the passage that he only assisted him. So Dwight Schrute assistant to the regional so manager. Is
1: Elijah Michael Scott? <laughs>
0: Uh, not far off, <laughs> what? in some ways. Uh,
1: so you went from Charlie Brown, I, don't, I just don't see
0: it, and you do, Does he have a World's Best Prophet mug?
1: Uh, maybe. Hmm. Do you? <laughs> you have a cup that says Daddy. <laughs> that
0: would be great. How, Howlin' Wolves, if if you want to get me a mug that says World's Best Preacher, I would, yeah, no. I would drink from it, yeah. if you know what I mean.
1: He yeah.
0: Any leftovers? Any guitar
1: <laughs> pickings, Any leftovers? Any trivia?
0: So, not only was there an office reference, I, I did see people laughing at all of the bad hair salon names. Was
1: I laughing?
0: I saw them. <laughs> you were trying not to laugh. <laughs> I, I actually did did note that. I gave a Forrest Gump reference. It landed flat. I'm not a smart person, but I yeah. know what anointing is. Yeah, so I figure that there's a that was like my expiration date. movie
1: growing up, like in high school, I like, like, really scorned Forrest Gump. It was the lowest of low. Movies. News,
0: news flash: Emily is not my audience of one. It seems when it when it comes to sermon, I had but actually. I got the reference. Okay, that's good. I, I saw a lot of people that were not getting the reference at all. So so blank Forrest stares. Forrest Gump, guys, don't watch it. Yep. Uh, I I enjoyed it, al- it, although it's probably been 25 years you since haven't I've seen even, it.
1: You haven't even shown it to the the kids. Like, it's not even on your list. So that, it, to me, is acknowledgement that it's not really that good of a movie.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> Who knows if it stands the test of time. And I'll, I'll also say, I was told, and I'll ask this question to you, after the sermon, there is one specific thing that I said and a person came back and said, Jim, I thought that was your best joke of the year.
1: Oh, my gosh. that was Your best joke of the year is not in this but, sermon. But, I'm sorry, whoever he,
0: that is. He, he, he said, is that Jim, Jim, that was your best joke of the year, and nobody got it. But I thought it was hilarious. Do <sighs> you want to guess what that was, baby?
1: <laughs> I'm just sorry. Sorry for the... <laughs> I'm scanning. I wrote down, no. So I mentioned
0: mentioned bad names related to bars, related to hair salons. And also I mentioned a few different categories Of of, of bad church names. Mentioned the ones trying too hard. That sounds like a men's fragrance you buy at Walmart. The church names that are too long. But the third category was churches that draw their names from dead languages.
1: Oh, yeah. I did get, I got that one. Okay. Woo-hoo! It wasn't that funny though. My
0: work here is done. <laughs> well, it, it 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 didn't get the jolt of laughter that that I thought. I I thought about just closing down the sermon there, saying, "Fine, no, you, no you mind. people aren't feeling me." You aren't listening. <laughs> um,
1: I actually did notice the lack of laughter at that one. Then. Yeah. Uh, also, I was a little bit leery because, like, I I felt like you were criticizing the names of these businesses, and one of the ones that you used was uh, the name of a. Uh, like a pretty renowned Philadelphia establishment which i didn't realize <laughs> My yeah I, used
0: to go I i regret that that yeah. that's like an inauthentic reference and i hate it when i make tone deaf references when i don't right. know the full story i mean you story.
1: still could but a, a punny name like the Worst house mm-hmm. like it actually can gain try i i really would consider going to the i cut you mm-hmm. place wouldn't you like no <laughs> <laughs> no, i not. But you'll go to uh, Shooters? I'll, I'll, I'll go
0: to Shooters and I'll go to Ooh, girl, who did your hair. <laughs> I, I'm not going to that one. I almost made the parenth- parenthetical comment. That sounds like a unisex salon. Okay,
1: okay. Um, so, yeah. Um. Are we at Oddcore yet? Uh.
0: Yes. Helen
1: Wolves. Um, I got one from one of our daughters when I was asking her this morning. Oh, yeah. What should I bring up? To dad about his sermon and she said hello um, pup she said that during announcements you got the <laughs> name of carrie mitchell wrong <laughs> you called her kelly <laughs> mm. um yeah that was embarrassing I to respond to that helen wolf
0: <laughs> so i i i just flubbed it i i haven't given announcements in a while and i was nervous I can't and so can really I ner- laugh when, at I, you. when i when i get names wrong when i all the get time. nervous i fast talk so our executive pastor Eric and his wife Carrie had their baby. Yeah, I uh, I I was looking. So Kelly, who's not <laughs> Carrie, was liturgist this Sunday, and she was sitting there right there in front of me, and yeah. So that that was a fail. I'm not even making a joke about it. It was a fail, and I'm it, sorry. You know,
1: it does recall the time that you you did mention this too. That during announcements, you. When you made them, you often got them wrong. And again, I really can't critique <laughs> you too much because I'm always tripping over my words and uh, getting names wrong, lots of things wrong. Um, it, but you are such a great speaker in so many other ways that it's just kind of funny. Like, as we dig down, you know, this is the postmortem. The yeah. It's not the preaching postmortem. Although, uh, yeah, what, digging into Jim Angert's brain, what goes on during announcements?
0: Uh huh, that's that's a good question there I well are are you saying that I'm that my announcements are bad and not enjoyable no, to they're listen to funny
1: but you get details wrong very very frequently <laughs> like that is why you were fired from announcements right
0: correct well among other reasons but but yes that's that's not an untrue statement yeah I don't know it's just hard for me I, I'm not a you know am I, I think you can you can testify that I have in some ways, a pretty good memory, but then in he other has an ways, awesome
1: memory. It's but very but, confusing.
0: But my memory, for whatever reason, is not equally distributed.
1: Guys, even <laughs> when we were like filming, filming announcements, and he had like a note card with announcements on them, he'd still like he'd earlier in forget pandemic. things. <laughs> right. Or forget to like record a specific announcement. That was actually very frequent. You'd forget to like say something, and then. John Travis would yell out and.
0: Right, or, or get the date wrong.
1: Very frequently, date date wrong, location wrong.
0: Yeah, well, I have two more Sundays of doing it, okay. so we'll we'll see okay. how I do. Hopefully, we'll see how Eric's I do this not coming listening one.
1: to either the podcast or the. <laughs> um, On paternity. Yeah, no one tell Eric. No one tell Carrie <laughs> that Jim called Carter- Kelly. Gosh. Actually, Claire, I might tell her. You're but. just making it worse, baby. Okay, I'll stop. I feel badly uh, about it. You had another Helen Wolf, right?
0: Yes. So feedback uh, from Becca after the service. So she asked the question, and, and you may have alluded to this earlier in the podcast, where where are we left with Elijah? And does Elijah have any sort of redemptive arc to his character? So I mentioned at one point during the sermon that this is not the absolute last we see of Elijah. He he does some prophety things later at the end of First Kings and is taken up into heaven on a chariot when actually there's a you could say that is there an anointing by fire that occurs with Elisha via Elijah later on? And so had a good back and forth conversation about two parts. One, to what extent is Elijah redeemed? Three parts. Two Elijah is one of the most referenced Old Testament figures in the New Testament and has done so very positively. So transfiguration, it's Moses and Elijah, and Elijah is referenced a lot in relationship to John the Baptist. So very much in the New Testament, Elijah is like a good guy, a really good guy. So does am I overinterpreting his disobedience at this stage of 1 Kings? And then third, at the larger level, what do we make of this impulse when we read the Bible, when we want all of these characters to have larger redemptive arcs? Is that a good impulse or one that should be interrogated? What do you think? What did you say to her? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I said that I have been surprised specifically with 1 Kings 19 to find such an ambiguous portrayal of Elijah. So I went into the sermon series not seeing all of those disobedient notes, but then when I'm actually going through commentaries and looking more closely, it seems like it's there. And so I kind of replied to Becca, yeah, I'm not sure. So perhaps Elijah enjoys some measure of redemption later on in the story, Uh, but even the disobedience doesn't seem to detract from the New Testament's appraisal of Elijah. But then one takeaway is that there's actually some confirmation and some encouragement from the fact that biblical characters save for Jesus are so often portrayed as mixtures of good and bad, which is very different from other ancient faith traditions when you have cardboard heroes everywhere, or even Iliad Odyssey, Aeneas, Odysseus sort of thing. Well, maybe not Odysseus, but at least within with Aeneas. Um, but but these are these are flawed characters through and through.
1: Right. I, I- I do find that appealing about scripture or the people in scripture. They, they are fleshed out and real. um, And it's the idea that our leaders, we don't have to look at our leaders and expect perfection out of them. Especially Mm -hmm. not your pastor. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Whatever you do. (laughs) I have firsthand experience of knowing uh, Jim, your prophet as, um, as flawed. Hmm. So, and myself is flawed, but it yeah the the self it turns to self and just recognizing that god God's grace covers everyone and it's not um, these people who are celebrated in scripture are um, covered by grace yeah so they're, it's not that they're it's not that they're perfect or flawless or a saint that we like Saint Thomas um, yeah can achieve sainthood but still be have have experienced um Skepticism, yeah, disobedience, all of that they are like us, so good stuff um yeah, it's something I personally find encouraging, and as as we parent as we interact with people, like just on, all of us um are on that path towards um still having redemption, still having hope mm-hmm. uh how and wolves, we love we do love to interact, Jim loves to interact um. With your thoughts about his um, sermons, other thoughts you might have yeah. about this podcast, about anything else. We do just have... Um,
0: We're recording ne- next Tuesday right. for the last so one.
1: have a deadline. I, I live by deadlines. So one Post more... blues
0: at gmail.com.
1: <laughs> one more deadline to get in some questions, and then we will close up season one mm-hmm. and be back in the so if you have any questions again uh post sunday blues at gmail.com or any of the other ways you get in touch with jim and i yep. um if you happen to know us uh we do appreciate you listening
0: yes and so one quick heads up about next week we are beginning oh i meant to say a joke during the sermon but i forgot wait you're I not was gonna,
1: closing with elijah going at, i was gonna oh that's why becca had an issue with you. i was no, <laughs> no no
0: this is the last of elijah
1: how can that be the, the end of Elijah's story?
0: You know? Well, put, put who Hannah, created this outline? This guy. So next week we're starting our sermon series on a story of texts. going
1: up to heaven is like the biggest part of Elijah's story.
0: Yeah, it didn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> that story's about Elisha, not not Elijah. And I, don't, I actually don't know what to make of him going up into heaven, chariots of fire sort of thing. So, yeah, maybe another time. <laughs> Talk to the boss.
1: Okay. You can write in about that, guys.
0: <laughs> right. And so Paul Puri is the name of the sermon series coming up. I was going to mention so Paul Puri. Wait, I was gonna wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. Did you just say Paul
0: Puri? Yes. Paul Paul <laughs> It just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs>
1: is this, is this, yeah, you, you don't see the irony in this? No. But the your, the your, No, your criticisms. Your criticisms of hair salons and bars.
0: Ironic detachment, baby. We've been over this. <laughs> Come on, there's no way that you've survived this long in our marriage without, without a sense of ironic detachment sometimes. So think of it that way. And the look that know, Emily like is a, giving me right I, yeah, now is like, I can't believe salon. I am married to this you person.
1: Could it go to a salon that was called. I'll cut you that I don't know if I can listen to the sermon series.
0: (laughs) Well, we have one more week to hash it all out. So this week with with Paul, uh, say say a prayer for me this week. I'm behind in sermon prep. Usually like over the past few months, my my sermon prep has gone for any one sermon over a two week period. I was assuming that to kick off this Paul series, I'd go back and find an old sermon that I preached somewhere from the letters of Paul that would introduce the series and just retool it instead of writing a different sermon from scratch. And so I structured my work week last week, assuming that I would find that sermon, and I just did not. So I'm under the gun with less hours than usual to write a sermon from scratch introducing the Apostle Paul. It should be fun. We all have our. Or
1: you could just tell Elijah's story. <laughs> yeah, you could end the story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that would also be a new sermon from scratch. <laughs> okay. Scratch sermons—that's what we do at Liberty Collingswood with, with that, most of the time. Um,
1: yeah. So, ca- yeah, feel free to write write in or or let Jim know what you think of the the uh, sermon series title, Paul Puri. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: warms my heart.
1: With that, I'm going to close up. Uh, thank you again for listening, and how was it?
0: That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues or Preaching Postmortem, a production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post-Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy.
1: House lights down. (laughs) Okay, let me start again. (laughs) That was too, that was too hot.
0: (laughs) Coming in with the right level of energy.